It's time to hear the story, make the connection, learn the lesson, and gain the wisdom. Are you ready? Let's get charged and be changed. The Sister Speak Brother Break Show. Conversations on grace, healing, and deliverance. This is Marcy Bush. Come on, let's journey together. Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Sister Speak Brother Break Show. Today, I am excited to have a guest who is a dear friend of mine. Um, I came to know Stuart about 10 years ago, and we have done different things um, with a company that he's a part of, an acting company, as well as through the church. And um, just I've come to know him and some of the things about him. He is a son, a very devoted son. He's that uncle that all the kids like to have. And um, he is also a businessman. He is an up and coming realtor who is making uh, really great strides in our area. And so today he's going to talk to us about something that uh, was a very big challenge or is a very big challenge that he is managing in his life. And so welcome, Stuart Brooks. <laughs> hey, Marcy. Hello. Thank you for joining us today, Stuart. Uh, well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It yes, really sir. Is. So as always, we're going to jump right in. Um, we're here today talking about the issues of um, PTSD, which is post traumatic stress disorder, post traumatic <laughs> stress disorder, um, anxiety mm -hmm. and depression. Correct. And so um, can you just kind of walk us through what happened? How did how did it develop or how did you find out about it? What what happened in, in regards to that? Um, well, I think uh, started um, I did 10 years in the military um, okay. and during my 10 years in the military, I did 11 months in Iraq. I was part of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Okay. Then it switched over to um, Operation Enduring Freedom. I was part of the first 10,000 soldiers to actually go over to Iraq in okay. um, 2003 mm -hmm. when um, the war first started. And okay. at that time, my job was field artillery. So my job was, I was part of the multiple launcher rocket system. So I had to type in all the grid. Multiple? Or, multiple launcher rocket system, okay. MLRS, that's what we called it. Okay. And my job was actually typing the grid coordinates for whatever missile the rocket had to shoot off. Okay. So I had to type in the grid coordinates and what type of missile for them to shoot. So okay. uh, I think that exposure, that experience, you know, of course led with the PTSD and then with the, um, the anxiety depression is kind of like a, a, a stem or a leg of that. Okay. Um, I do think there was probably some early part of anxiety and depression from childhood, but you mm -hmm. know, just nothing more normal than any other child may express or teenager or anything like that. But I think that was my trigger um, for me. Okay. So looking back, you said because of what you know now, mm -hmm. you think that there was probably some manifestations of the anxiety part mm -hmm. when you were younger, just for our audience, for right. me, what what types of things do you think in your life um, pointed at this is anxiety? Because a lot of times, especially with um, mental issues, uh, mental either disorders or what are some of the other terms that they have? 
I know mental illness and mm -hmm. we try to stay away from mental illness. You know, there's such a stigma. It is a huge yes. stigma. Um, and especially in the African-American community, it's a huge stigma. Right. Uh, but then a subcategory context of that is even as a man. Mm -hmm. As a man, it's a huge So huge when you stigma. talk about a black man. <laughs> yes. 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 It's a huge stigma because you have to be so many things and then not yes. be so many yes. things as well. Yes. So um, at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of pressure in that that is not even spoken of as well. Right. So this is a good place. So let's talk about this for a <laughs> second before we even go into the particulars, because just thinking about the term mental illness and like I said, the stigma attached and the almost like the panic mm -hmm. that comes with it. But and so there is such a huge stigma, like we said, mm -hmm. that is attached to the term mental illness. However, if someone were to say physical illness, right. it'd be like, oh, what's wrong? Right. <laughs> and so um, how do you think we can go about um, approaching it so that it is not how did you what 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 did you do in terms of that? And like mm -hmm. I said, we're going to go oh, really yeah, no, broad right, and then right, come yeah. back in. No, I, um, I steered away from that completely. I completely steered away from it um, to the point where I was comfortable and, and OK to express it. I think the biggest thing is a lot of people know people that may deal from it. But the worst thing you do is to tell that person are you mentally ill or ask that person are you mentally ill mm -hmm. no that's the that, that that is a trigger in itself mm -hmm. i think one of these things is just to always be comforting to the person and so like that and allow them that space okay so if they want to share it allow okay. them that but at the end of the day even if you know the signs of it just don't say anything but be aware of it mm -hmm. so you can see how you may be able to assist that person because okay. that's one of the things like i said i, I never wanted to be labeled with that at right. the end of the day until i was okay understanding okay i may have a mental illness but that's not who i am right and see even in regards to that and i i will be very honest and say um because i was just watching something over the past couple days and it was talking about um mental illness it was a, a professional talking about mental illness and how it really is a stigma for a lot of church people too mm -hmm. um because they either want to demonize it or tell you to pray it away right. or whatever and you know, even as she was talking and I have a definite uh, past of depression. And so really, even just in the past couple of days going, you know, I'm, it's, it's easy for me to throw depression out there. Mm -hmm. But have I ever considered that that was a mental that it, it is right. a mental illness mm -hmm. that I must navigate, that I must manage. Yes. And so I think. Part of what we're doing mm -hmm. and just talking about it yeah. and let him know, because a lot of times when we think mental illness, people think an institution. And if that's where you need to go, that's OK. Right. If we needed to go to a hospital, right. a medical hospital, we would go. Yeah. So if someone needs to go to an institution to regroup, to get what they need, that's fine. Get your and, help. Yes. But at the same time, there are people who are walking around suffering because they don't want that term. Yep. But regardless of the term or not, it's still happening. Yes. So now let's jump on in. So <laughs> you said that we were talking about how with the anxiety, you said now that you know, mm -hmm. you believe that there was probably some in your younger life. Can you yeah. tell us about that? Well, um, I am the seventh of nine children. Okay. <laughs> uh, parents would have been married 52 years. So um, just growing up as a child, I was an extremely quiet child. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't remember much of my childhood, but I do remember looking back at family photos and for some reason, 
I never used to like looking at the camera. Okay. I always hear from the camera. Okay. And every single family picture, you'll see my head is turned away or stuff like that when I just like, um, I never knew what it was until like, okay, maybe there was some anxiety then at that moment. Okay. But honestly, I don't know where it came from, but gotcha. I do remember like, okay, being a child feeling a certain type of way mm -hmm. or getting overly excited or overly anxious about things. Mm -hmm. And then like, okay, what what I do with all this? And most, mm -hmm. they were like, oh, all that energy as a child. Mm -hmm. But no, that was a form of anxiety at that time okay. that, that maybe my parents didn't know about or stuff mm -hmm. like that. But I think that's where, as a child, where I, still, where I see some signs of anxiety when I was younger. Okay. And so then you said it, it was kind of a dormant kind of thing yeah. or, or not heightened mm -mm. until you were in the war in Iraq. Correct. And so did it manifest while you were away at war or or were you so in the moment, so in the scene of where you were? Mm -hmm. Did it did it manifest then or did it wait until you came back home? It waited until I came back. But the thing is, when you're in war, it's, it's overly sensitive, it's overly heightened. That anything, you don't even realize you you're overly, not at all okay. because it's mission first. Okay, it's stay alive. Okay, it is completely stay alive. I've never shared my war story outside mm. of therapy. Okay, outside of therapy. Okay, only because no one actually realized. I was the first ten thousand soldiers. Mm. We was flying overseas and had to stop because. The bombs flew down. Mm -hmm. um, so we went there and landed in Iraq, and, um, in Kuwait, excuse me. And so my job as um, in the soldier was, I have, was the person to drive my colonel. So I was a, a driver. Okay. I took my job serious, just mm -hmm. how I am. You give me a job, a task to do, mm -hmm. I'm gonna do it. Right. So from going to Kuwait to Iraq, I drove 36 hours straight in mm -hmm. a Humvee. If, you, if my job is to protect everyone in this right. vehicle, right. That's what I'm going to do. Right. To the point where I'm like, it was like, Brooks, Brooks, you okay? I'm good. To the point where they literally had to take my hands off the steering wheel. Okay. Okay. And to the point where now, after the fact, I'm like, okay, if I'm driving somewhere, I like to drive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> gotcha. Um, If we're going on long trips, mm -hmm. I want to drive. Because okay. I was, I, and I used to say this jokingly. I trust me as a driver, so mm -hmm. that's so y'all don't have to worry about anything. Right. But I I know that's where that particular thing stands right. for, along with a whole bunch of other stuff. Okay. 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 And I thank you for sharing. I do. I thank you for sharing with us, for trusting us. Yeah. I thank you for being willing to um, expose yourself to help others get help. Yeah. That's huge, and I appreciate that. Um, so. Like you said, when you're in war, everything is heightened. So that is the norm. Yes. Uh, like I have so many <laughs> war stories. Um, got to Iraq, like I said, we had the um in the tank. Um, in training, when we was taking, Ali was in front of a computer typing the grid coordinates and stuff like that. I got so good at it when they gave me grid coordinates. I, while I was typing, they had maps in the tank. I could type and look at the grid coordinates. It's like, okay, that's where it's gonna land. When we got over to Iraq, they took all the maps out, the tanks. Mm. <laughs> and one missile would take out a grid square. So that meant that sound like much, but a grid one grid square that we used was a thousand meters by a thousand meters. Okay. So, and I was in the desert, middle of the desert. We was there for like over 29 days. And we set up um, our camp, did a little round circle. They're walking around and stuff like that. Once we left and went to another facility, there was another unit that came and occupied the exact same spot that we were. Four people died. Mm. It was a landmine. Mm. <laughs> that we were there for 27 days. Oh my gosh. Walking around. 
Wow. So just stuff like that. <laughs> yes. So grace. <laughs> These are conversations <laughs> on grace, yeah. healing and deliverance. That is yeah. the grace of God. Lord. Okay. Okay. And so again, that whole heightened, heightened everything sense. is heightened. Heightened sense. Um, then had to was on task force operation and op force. So my job was if the perimeter was attacked, we had to load up the Humvee, go to the perimeter and handle what was out ever out there. Okay. So you be in bed two o'clock in the morning, hear the alarm. You got to gear up, get in that mm -hmm. Humvee. So at that point, I was either driving or I was on top of the Humvee holding the 50 cal and the 50 cal holds is a machine gun that has a, a bullet in it that's probably about this big. Mm. So. Whatever the threat that was out there, we had to handle it. Okay. And I had to handle several threats several different times. Okay. So um, experiencing that, knowing that, okay, if your gun went off and you had to shoot it, there was something else at the end of it mm. that you had to handle. Um, and then not along with that task force, actually going out into the villages. Like, you may see in the movies and stuff like that, but being the lead person where you literally had to kick in the door. Okay. And then after you kick in the door, you already was an arm. Okay. So doing that for... 11 months um there was a time that me and my own buddy gills was on top of a mill truck which is like an 18 wheeler back of the truck mm -hmm. we had a 12-hour guard duty and mm -hmm. so we're just having a conversation um good friend of mine and then all of a sudden we see a lights off to our past and mm -hmm. it's a vehicle and at that time our direct orders were if we see anything call it in we called it into some marines people and they took it out and they said it was iraqis in a vehicle they had their guns pointed right at us mm. <laughs> lord so just stuff, situation like that, experiencing right. for 11 months. Yes. Yes. And so then you come home. <laughs> and now just knowing what I know of you from the mm -hmm. past 10 years. Yeah. And I know your diligence. I know your commitment. But um, I wouldn't normally I wouldn't see you as like having to be the aggressor. Now I knew you can attack what you need to attack, but I'm just saying once you went into that position, had you seen that in you, not even talking about as far as um, weaponry right, and using yeah. all that, but just that ability to zone in and out. Did you see that before you went into the military? Uh, I was always detail oriented, <laughs> but um, that just made it even more okay. point to the, and, and it had to because at the end of the day, one mishap is not only your life, but it's someone else's life. Yes, yes. Someone else's life. You know, we had to drive a convoys and to the point where you're driving a convoys and the car in front of you blow up, vehicle behind you blow up. And the only thing you have to do is just keep going forward, call it up higher and, you know. Okay. So, okay. situations like that. I could go on <laughs> with stories, you know. Yes. Um, they've given us briefing and saying that you can't, um, you see the villagers come up to you with little kids. You can't hand them out food or nothing like that because they usually put bombs on their kids. Okay, okay. Wow. And so you come back home. Tell yeah. me about coming back. Home. Well, before I come back home, that was in 2003. I still had one more year of service to do. Mm -hmm. And I did my one more year. And it's, you know, so it's different because that environment that one last year I did, everyone experienced the same thing I did. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, it was a camaraderie, but coming back home in 05, um completely detached okay completely it's like a foreign world all right 
You know, saying the military provided everything for you to eat, where to be at. Every second of your day mostly was already accounted for. You know what to do. Mm -hmm. So coming back home was like, okay, now what? What do I do? And it took me a while to find um, a time, but there was probably about a whole month period. I know my mom was like, okay, what's wrong with this boy? (laughs) But you know, I literally remember um, I had um, my best friend who's still my best friend today. Mm -hmm. I met in Oklahoma. When I came back home, I didn't talk to him for probably about six months. Uh, and I and to the point where I stopped taking his calls and to this day he still gets me on it, but it just completely dissociated. I remember going outside and just walking in the yard for hours. Mm. Okay. Cause I didn't I didn't feel anything. Gotcha. Then at that point, when I was able to, cause I didn't know what it was. Right. I didn't. Right, I didn't right. know what it was. I just know I came back home and I didn't feel normal. Mm-hmm. Can't talk about it, nobody because you know mm-hmm. what I said last thing they wanted to say to be labeled right, <laughs> a certain right, type of way. Right. Uh, so what I did was I worked. Okay. Let me detach myself from my feelings and my thought process. So I worked. So I ended up getting three jobs. Mm. You became a workaholic. <laughs> workaholic. Workaholic. Uh, one full time, forty hours a week. One part time job, and then I was still in the military and reserves. So three jobs, and this was literally. Uh, 25, 24 years old. Okay. So besides even, you said 25 or 24 at mm-hmm. the time. So besides even the things like you just walking around the yard or um, just kind of what did the detachment, were you able to even make the connections with your family? I know if um, it wasn't people outside the home, yet, but mm-mm. what about inside? Um inside the home I knew how to put on a face you know one okay, thing yeah, I was yeah. in field artillery it was it was a all male um unit mm-hmm. so the thing they taught you was just drive on there was no feelings in the military okay there was no feelings at all okay. that was that was a sign of weakness they've got over it um now but then uh-uh you broke your leg doesn't like that suck it up soldier drive on you know so mm-hmm. that's why um i have to be careful now because sometimes yes. i can be like what you mean okay uh-huh. yes. <laughs> yes. suck it up you know what i'm saying so right. i um i had to learn compassion because mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. um at the point so that's why i but the thing is i didn't have any for myself either mm-hmm. right right which is big yeah so what did how did it manifest? What are some of the things? Because you gave us those war stories mm-hmm. while you were in Iraq. What's your war story when you came back home? What did that? What were some of those incidents? Uh, just um, trying to get back to socializing with people. You know, I was gone for probably about four years, so it wasn't that long time with friendships and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. come back to call a friend, hey, how you doing? You know, back da da da. To like me picking up the phone to call somebody was so hard because I felt I didn't feel normal. Okay. But not knowing what it was, and then feeling like asking for help, I can't do that. I'm a soldier. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm a soldier. Mm-hmm. So literally, I felt trapped. Okay. Felt trapped. Okay. Um, I literally, um, I came back in 05. Yeah. And when I was in Oklahoma, you know, um, my, my spiritual life is important to me. Mm-hmm. So it was, I, I had found a good church in Oklahoma and stuff like that. But when I got back, I tried to go back to my home church, but you know, I love them, but <laughs> right. what I got connected with, it but didn't fit for it you. didn't fit for me. So I literally was without a place of worship from, for almost five years. Okay. 
Okay. So I didn't have that spiritual component. Right. I, I just worked. Okay. And so that was a big void. So right. I was walking around almost lifeless for okay. just More going like through the motion. Yeah, just like a shell. I would work and stuff like that, but right. people didn't know on the inside, like, right. ask, so. screaming for help but not knowing how to ask for work. Mm. And so and you what were- are some of the things that led you to say, yo, I got to get help? Um, when I think when I felt I was losing the connections that, that mattered to me, mm. you know, um, when I didn't feel like I'm doing everything I think I know how to do, but something's not right. Um, financially things were an issue because I think another thing with the anxiety and depression was, okay, I didn't matter. So I would help everybody else. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and to that point where like, no, I got to do something because mm-hmm. um, this is not right. This is not, this is not how life is supposed to be. Right. You know, where I'm, I'm working, I'm living, but after work, I'm literally going home and getting in my bed mm-hmm. just to do everything else over again. Okay. And so how did you take that first step? Because um, you did seek therapy, you yes. did seek help. Mm-hmm. And so how did you, how did that go about? How did you feel um, at the beginning of that? The beginning of therapy was, was hard. Um, and, but I think before the therapy, I think my lowest point was there was a suicide moment. Okay. Okay. And that moment I was like, okay. nope. It didn't work, <laughs> but it was so it was an attempt. So you did okay. Yep. So it, it was, wasn't a thought anymore. No, it was it, it was, was an a, attempt. Okay. It was it was a complete attempt, and um, of course, not going to detail it because I want anybody idea. <laughs> right, right, right. But um, went through with it, did okay. everything, but just um, it didn't work, and I was like, you know what? On the other side of it, I'm like, I can't do that because if I ever did again, it may, it may work. Right. Right. So, I, and I'm calling, um, getting therapy, and that's all I knew to do. Mm-hmm. Let me set up a therapy appointment through the VA. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to help. <laughs> right. And we'll see. And, and I kind of fought back. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, uh-uh, what do you mean, no? You're supposed to help me. Mm-hmm. What I mean, I got to talk and express. I was, uh-uh, I'm not taught to do that. Okay. Mm-mm. You doctor, tell me what to do. Why do you mean I got to tell you how I feel? No. Mm-mm. Really? Yeah. Okay. To the point where I just end up after I went for almost two years, weekly. Okay. For almost two years to the point where I I had, if I wanted to get help, I had to put the work in. Okay. Okay, but you saw that putting the work in began to help you? It did, yeah. It um, it began to help me. I started feeling better. Um, if there's, there, there was medication they tried, they prescribed to me, but it, it that didn't work for me. But medication, I'm an advocate for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up finding alternate routes that did okay. to me. Um, like I said, finding the church where I'm at now, mm-hmm. and with that along with my therapy, changed my life. Okay, changed my life. So therapy and getting in touch with, well, like you said, being yeah. at the right place mm-hmm. makes all the difference. Yeah. And that's what my therapist has told me, you know, say therapy helps, but you know, saying from what he could hear, he could tell that I was a religious person, a spiritual mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. saying that, you know, get connected to a place of worship. And so right. I was connected, but getting more involved. In yes. That's good. Um, are there any things that you would like to say, because we have a little segment that we're going to do in a little bit where <laughs> little fast okay. questions, but um, even before we get to that, are there any things that you would like to, what would you share with someone who may be experiencing the PTSD, anxiety, 
or depression or a combination of those or any other mental illness? Mm-hmm. I think it would be um, find people you can trust. Okay. It, it's so important, even if it's just one person mm-hmm. and that you feel like you can trust and let them have a small peek okay. inside. The hardest thing is even opening up an inch because... Okay the worst thing you want to do is feel a burden mm-hmm. or or be labeled something. Mm-hmm. Um, i never forget one story where it almost completely shut me down is I was out of town with some friends and one of my things with my anxiety is I, I didn't notice I, would do it, I was doing it until later was when I would get home from work, it would be so hard for me to unwind okay. to the point where I would get home, probably take my shoes off and start cleaning, start folding. So that, and I realized it's like two or three hours later and I have not sat down. Okay. And to the point I did that um, out of town where I think we had just left from a concert or whatever, came back to the hotel room and I was going, we was talking about it, stuff like that. And somebody said, Stuart, you haven't sat down for a minute. But someone else in the room said, don't worry about it. He's just crazy. Okay. And it hit me so hard because they didn't know what I was dealing with. Right. But I was like, okay, Stuart, you know, other people started noticing. It okay. almost shut me down where I didn't want to be. But I said, you know what? You got to be careful with it. So right. one person, find out who you can trust, but more so to the people that if you feel like someone may be dealing with something like that, be observant, but be a soft place for them. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's good advice. Very good advice. Um, are there any other things that you would there? And there's so many. <laughs> but I think so, so, so as, as speaking as a, a man or male, it, it, you have to find another guy that you can share with. Okay. No offense, you know, saying to, to the females, some women, we love y'all share, mm-hmm. but it's something about um, for a man to be vulnerable. Yes. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to do that much, and honestly, in front of a female. We, right. You know what I'm saying? Too much. Especially if it's um, a, a relationship they're trying to build right. or stuff like that because there's so many um, stigmas that are even with a black male. Right. But finding a, a brotherhood or another guy that you can actually open up with and share, even if it's not even talking about mental illness, mm-hmm. some place where you can feel naturally 100% yourself with another guy makes all the difference okay because in the, the day you know okay this person genuinely accepts me mm-hmm. even if i may have a moment or a trigger moment and stuff mm-hmm. like that i feel comfortable enough that i can probably handle that with them and i can be okay with that i just, I just need a one good place where i could have landed and and knew someone had me yes. then i can i can take take over the world yes <laughs> yes that's good. okay what is the first word that comes to your mind when you hear the word peace, <laughs> um, uh, comfort. You know. What did these disorders teach you about yourself? I'm stronger than I think I am. That's good. And if there was only one takeaway that people could, once the show ends, that they could take with them, what would you want it to be? I think it's even that statement, you're stronger than you think you are. Everything that you have gone through, you've gone through it. Yes. It hasn't taken you out. Yes. That's good. That's good. Appreciate your vulnerability today and your openness and your willingness to um, be vulnerable so that others can receive help. And I know that God is going to use your testimony to help somebody else be able to tap into theirs. Thank you for having me. Yes. So y'all, we thank you for joining us for the Sister Speak Brother Break Show. We hope that you'll come see us again next week. Be blessed. Thanks so much for joining us today. 
If you've been blessed by today's show, feel free to let us know. And if you'd like to sow into this ministry, become a sponsor or contact us. You can reach us at 803-221-0169. Or you can email us at the SSBB show at gmail.com. Let's continue this journey together. Group of kids in the neighborhood and I glanced. And when I glanced, I seen them. Okay. And I remember I just took off running to my grandma house, ran in and slammed the door, locked it, and laid on the living room floor. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was paralyzed, like I could not move. 